We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Casual Friday. My name is Sean with a W, and I'm joined, as always, by my partners in crime, Mensa Smith and XJ. And we are here to celebrate Casual Friday. But unfortunately, um, we are not in that much of a celebratory mood, because as we were recording about... 45 minutes ago, we learned that Malcolm Brogdon had won the NBA Sixth Man of the Year award with Emmanuel quickly coming in second. Um, I am, to quote uh, a wise man from Toronto, Canada, I'm upset. Um, Actually, I'm pissed. And I... The... I'll, I'll say this and then I'll, you know, uh, mention next day. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I never, ever, ever again want to hear that the NBA wants the Knicks to win. The NBA's rigging things. New York bias. No, 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 no. Anytime any Nick or anyone associated with the New York Knicks comes anywhere close to success, there is an immediate response to disqualify why they are worthy of that success. There are reasons pointed out about why it doesn't matter, why they shouldn't win, why. Like, so the like, I mean, between Jay Crawford going on television and telling us that the NBA wants the Knicks to win, which is hilarious because they that's what they want. They're doing a terrible job doing it. <laughs> to people like uh, I think Matt Moore's name, hardware powered axism, whatever, who couldn't wait to point to the New York bias about I'm like they, <laughs> they've rewritten. They literally looked at the criteria and said, you know, we're going to make up our own. And, 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 but I, I'm, I will now throw Mensa. What, what, what are your thoughts on this award or, 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 or on this decision? Um, there's no such thing 
as New York bias when it comes to the sports media. All East Coast bias that people believe in um, is actually Boston bias. And I think we saw that today. Um, they really rewrote the lo- like the rules because, and, okay, I-, I tweeted this earlier. According to this criteria, Malcolm Brogdon would have won six man of the year over Manu Ginobili, who started 23 games in 2008. And the idea that Malcolm Brogdon ever in his life was a better six man than Manu Ginobili is complete garbage. He was the seventh man on his team. They, they chose to start Derek White over him because Derek White was a better basketball player than him. And they said, you know what? We're going to put him in the starting lineup. And this isn't like, like the novelty nonsense that Thibodeau does sometimes or not even sometimes, like when he would start like Keith Bogans over Kyle Korver or like um, the Jericho Sims spot starts. This was the Boston coaching staff decidedly saying that we like Derek White more than we like Malcolm Brogdon. He started zero games. He didn't start zero games because of his impact coming off the bench. He started zero games because there were six guys more impactful than him on his own team. This is not in the spirit of the award. This idea that you have to disqualify all the games Emmanuel quickly started because the numbers are skewed. No. What that means in those starts is that there was more opportunity for him to play well, and he played very well. You're very right, Sean. The moment he was skipping all over the Boston Garden was when the Boston Garden fans and the Boston Garden media decided we can't let this man win a champ. We cannot let this man win six man of the year. We need to start moving things around. And I try not to be all tinfoily and everything, but this this felt like an inside job. Um because like, what are we talking about? The conversation like two or three weeks afterwards was Emmanuel quickly is the, is the um, not even maybe a week or two afterwards was Emmanuel quickly has taken the lead in the six man award race is not a dead heat anymore. It's clearly Emmanuel quickly. And then out of nowhere, out of the literal blue, everybody's like, oh, well, if you really look at the numbers, you know, you, it's, it's the starts. That's not a problem. It's not a problem. It's who was the best player coming off the bench this year? I'm sorry, who was the best player coming off the bench? And the only way you could be disqualified for that award is if you started more games, then you came off the bench. That was not the case for Emmanuel quickly. He was robbed. It is nonsense. And honestly, at this point, you got it. Like, this feels like the NBA knows what they did was wrong. And I wouldn't be surprised if Emmanuel quickly wins it next year. But to me, it'd be it'd be a day late and a dollar short because this was the year that he deserved it. And I don't like when we retroactively reward people. He may be he may be deserving of it next year, but this year he was absolutely deserving of it. To me, there was no competition. And this idea that Malcolm Brogdon deserved it over him is absolute nonsense because you had to literally take games away from Emmanuel quickly that he played in order to make that argument, which is not an argument. There's a lot of Boston writers that made a lot of money on the betting markets today. Um, it's funny. It's just really apropos and ironic that you know our show is called Casual Friday when the awards of voters are the real casuals, clearly. <laughs> because they voted on this award based on points per game and exclusively coming off the bench, which is a ridiculous criteria. Absolutely ridiculous criteria. Non-justifiable. Um, Here's what I'll say. I mean, I'm just going to echo what both of you said. 
To be eligible for six man of the year, you have to come off the bench in 51% of your games. Quickly came off the bench in 74% of his games. The final numbers, let's just tally it up. The final numbers per 75, Brogdon was 21 points, 5.2 assists, 5.9 rebounds, two turnovers with a 62% true shooting. Great numbers. Quickly was 19 points, 4.4 assists, 5.3 rebounds, 1.6 turnovers with a 58% true shooting. That's per 75. Very, very close. Pretty almost dead even. Brogdon has a slight advantage there. On impact, according to EPM, quickly was worth 124% more wins than Malcolm Brogdon. I said 124% more wins than Malcolm Brogdon. According to LeBron, quickly was worth 113% more wins than Malcolm Brogdon. According to Raptor, quickly was worth 76% more wins than Malcolm Brogdon. In terms of on-off differentials, Quickly's time in the court correlated with a net positive of 8.5 points per 100 possessions for his team, which is 91st percentile in the NBA. Brogdon's time on the court correlated with a net negative of 5.2 points per 100 possession for his team, which was in the 26th percentile in the NBA. And my last point really is just outside of the numbers. Quickly was genuinely the heart and soul of his team for long stretches of the season. And Brogdon, who was a very good player, was a guy, as you said, Mensa, who never started a game. Despite his team starting point guard, Marcus Smart, missing 21 games. <laughs> his team starting point... Just listen to what I just said. His team starting point guard missed 21 games. And he never got elevated to start as the backup point guard. Like, and, and, and that's one statement. And then what else do we know happened is that that actually helped his case for six man of the year. <laughs> I, 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 I can't make it up. <laughs> I, 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 I have a tweet. It's my pin tweet. And it's literally the most likes I've ever gotten in a tweet. And it was in response to all of this BS about um, he started too many games, or whatever. And I said, he started because when his team needed him to fill in for a starter, his coach picked him because he's the wait for it sixth man. And so I have two tweets about this. One of them is show me the votes. And I'm very curious to see when they release the player voting, but I'm looking at the voting results that the NBA posted and at Nick's film school um, retweeted. And I and a shout out to Kevin D. Walter Well, because he pointed something out. Eight voters left Emmanuel quickly off their ballot completely. Eight voters thought that Emmanuel quickly was not one of the three best six men of the year. You got to lose your vote. You got to lose your vote. You got that, that, that pers- person has to lose their vote. Whoever gave a third place vote to Christian Wood can lose their vote. Whoever voted for Russell Westbrook can use it, lose their vote. Uh, like, and the thing is, I don't want to like, I don't want to crap on other players because, like, listen, if you vote Malik Monk third, I'm not gonna be mad at you. Even if you vote like Austin Reeves third, like, like, and, and, I, and that was the thing. It was like I never ever said that. Brogdon isn't deserving or he's never in the running, but the idea that like people, 
I want to give a shout out and then we can move on from this. I want to give a shout out to Andy Larson uh, because Andy Larson of the Salt Lake Tribune or whatever he's, I don't know what, what he's Salt Lake. He's Tribune. a loser. Um, Go ahead. Andy Larson voted for Walker Kessler for Rookie of the Year. That doesn't bother me. That doesn't bother me at all because to say that there is, I would no have voted case, for Walker Kessler. To, to say that the there's no case for oh, friend of the pod, uh, friend of the pod, and Andy Larson uh, for now. Um, to say that there's no case for Walker Kessler is ridiculous. It would it would be short sighted, especially since you know we like to not you know we we shouldn't be just looking at oh points per game. My problem is that Andy Larson said he used the advanced metrics and that was the reason why he voted for Walker Kessel over Paolo Bancaro. Guess who Andy Larson voted for sixth man of the year? Can I guess? Go ahead. Would that be one uh, Malcolm Brogdon? That is correct. Would that be the person who the advanced metrics did not favor in the, in the other? It's, it's award like the Anthony argument. Oh my goodness! <laughs> show me the numbers. Show me the numbers. Presents all the numbers. Well, why are you showing me the numbers? Like, and oh, and and the reason going? that he the reason that he gave the reason that he gave had absolutely nothing to do with advanced numbers. In fact, well, let me see if I could find, uh, I thought I could find it here, but I, I didn't find it. Um, because what happens when he released the rookie, when he released that folk, they're like, wait a minute, you, um, the advanced metrics all point to quickly. And he said, well, I just looked at only what male quick did as a reserve. And I was like, let, let, okay, let me, let me pose this question to you guys before we move on. If, if Jalen Brunson missed time this season, and RJ Barrett missed time this season and Quentin Grimes missed time this season. And instead of elevating quickly, the Knicks said, let's elevate Deuce McBride. He, he should start. Would these same pundits be saying quickly should win six man of the year because he didn't start games? Would they be like, yeah, you know what? He didn't start any games. He played 81 games off the bench. He's clearly the six man of the year. If he had the same stats, no, they wouldn't be saying that. They would not be saying that. That's how you know this is a fake narrative. It's fake. It's fraudulent. The award is the awarding is fraudulent. And you know, the the rightful winner got robbed. It's just true. Oh, oh here's it. Here it is. Um, because he said all the events that's favor Kessler. And I'm sorry to pick on Andy Larson. And I'm actually give Andy Larson some credit because he actually had the cojones to come out and say, this is who I voted for. And this is why as much as I, we may disagree with it. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be hiding behind their votes. You're never going to hear from them. So he said all the events that's favor Kessler. So then shout out to, Hashtag tape at two and two and why and why said, if that's the case, why did you vote Brogdon over quickly? He said, that award's weird. It's the only one where the awarding awards voting tell you to consider it in a certain way, saying to put contributions as a reserve first. In the end, quickly had most of his best games as a starter. Without that, I would have voted quickly number one. So shout out to, uh, well, he used to be Blames Dolan, but now he's just Blames says, but of all the advanced, but all of the advanced metrics still favor quickly over Brogdon when you factor in games only coming off the bench. And then, and then <laughs> Andy Larson cited, said, I don't think they do. And then cited counting stats. 
I did see that. I saw that thread where he's like, you know, no, they don't. And, and then, then he, he, he cites like points per game or something. Yes, he, he says, <laughs> like, can't make this up, people. <laughs> quickly off the bench, 12 3 and 3 on 43, 35, 80 shooting. Brognov bench 15 4 and 4 on 48, 44, 87 splits. I know those are the basic numbers, not the advanced ones, but if you have if you have a link to advanced bench only numbers, I like to look at it. Again, this is the guy that said. I voted for Oracle Kessler because all the events that's favorite Kessler have always been an analytically oriented voter, but then use counting stats. And that's one guy. Um, yes, Andy Larson of Salt Lake Tribune. Interesting enough, Salt Lake Tribune covers the Utah Jazz. Who runs the Utah Jazz? Who's the president Wayne, of basketball? No, Who's the president of basketball operations? Oh, that's a great connection right there. Danny Ainge won Celtic for life, Danny Ainge. What's up, Knicks fans? Power up for springtime with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Get nutritious, chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door, leaving you time and energy to tackle everything on your to-do list. Get Factor and not only skip the trip to the grocery store, but skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. No matter what your lifestyle, Factor has the meals to help you live it to the fullest with keto, calorie-smart, vegan veggie, and protein-plus meals on the menu each week. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. With 34 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of more than 36 quick bites, smoothies, juices, and more satisfying add-ons. Looking to cut back on takeout? Get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper, but meals are ready quicker than restaurants delivery. Just two minutes. Also, eating vegan or veggie is a snap with Factor. Each meal has all the ingredients you want and nothing you don't. And if you're looking to mix it up, you can add a protein to your vegan and veggie meals each week. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Don't hesitate. Head to factormeals.com slash filmschool50 and use the code filmschool50 to get 50% off your first buy. Again, that's factormeals.com slash filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. We can move on. All right. Um, let's get to wow. listen. Listen, 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 listen. Um, the Knicks are in the playoffs. Um, and I was gonna say this one, I just want to say this real quickly. It'd be really funny if that is the only trophy a Celtic holds up this year, but I'm asleep. The Knicks are in the playoffs. We have bigger fish to fry. We have a playoff series to win. And the Knicks are down one, not down. They're, they're, they're tied, tied one, one. Although, <laughs> although the, the discourse and the timeline will make you think we were down three, nothing after two games, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so one game, one lost game two, game three tonight. We're listening to this at, a which is now going to be a ravenous, angry, pissed off Madison Square Garden. Um, so actually, I'll start with you. What stood out to you in the first two games, and has what as the as the have the first two games changed your view of the series? The biggest thing that stood out to me is that 
you know, it's, it's just the same thing we've been talking about for quite a while. Um, and I'm just going to reiterate it here. The Knicks were not able to enforce their will on the offensive glass in game two. You know, this has been the biggest question to me all season. We've talked about it on casual Fridays. We've talked about it on our playback watch parties. Um, many people know at this point that earlier in the season, I called the Knicks offense fake. <laughs> um, and they know that because our very own GMAC would not let me live that down for a little while. And, you know, I kind of took that heat for it with people saying like the numbers, the number, you know, we're a top five offense. That's what it says. But now we're seeing, I, I believe we're seeing what I meant by them having a fake offense. Um, we're seeing that this is not an efficient offense. And their style may not be transferable to a playoff environment. Like they're desperately relying on winning the the battle of possessions and chances. Um, in the season, they were number two in offensive rebound rate, number five in turnover rate, and they just simply have to maintain those numbers in order to win. You know, it's it's one thing to beat people up on the glass in one game, and you know, to 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 fight harder than everyone else for rebounds uh, that the other team is not really expecting to be contested, like. Like on many occasions, you'll see opponents will like lose focus when the shot goes up. Like, oh, the possession's over. The shot's up. We, we did our job. Hopefully they miss. But against the Knicks, when the shot goes up, you have to increase your intensity and focus um, because they are fighting for every loose ball, every rebound that comes off the rim. Um, and just in the regular season, that's hard as hell to do. You, you, you're not used to fighting that hard for like a regular normal rebound. <laughs> in the postseason when your entire coaching staff is saying, listen, you will lose if you don't do this. If you don't box out, our season is over. That's bringing a whole ton of attention differently to that phase of the game in the postseason. Um, and we got coaches, we got JB Bickerstaff bringing five guys in to secure defensive rebounds. Can you still really dominate the offensive boards? Is it just a thing that the Knicks can just be better at and will to happen? Um, I, I was always skeptical. And that's really what I meant by the offense is fake. Like, I don't think that the offense is fake in a real way. But what I meant by that is that it can potentially be exposed. Um, and because without that stuff, they don't really have answers. I, I mean, I hope they do, but I don't know what they are. And so I, I guess my view of the series has changed from thinking the Knicks had like a 50-50 shot at this series, the feeling like we're, we're legit underdogs. That, that's kind of how I feel about it. And yes, yes, everybody's played like trash. You know, basically from one to nine, everybody's played like not very well. But there's no guarantee that we turn it around. And no one turned it around against Atlanta a couple of years ago. So, you know, I haven't been surprised by anything Cleveland's been doing. I, I honestly haven't. Nothing they've done has surprised me. It's been like, whoa, where'd this come from? Like nothing like that. Um, they've just been able to toughen up on the boards. And, and to me, that's the entire dynamic going forward. I know it's like very simplistic and I'm not talking about specific schematic changes, but I, I, I think to me, this is the thing I've been observing. I've been wondering about, and you know, I, I'd like to see how it plays out. Uh, my only question for you, XJ, uh, not really to push back, but just to just food for thought, would you be feeling the way you are feeling if we won game, if we lost game one, the way we the way we lost game two, like if the results were switched, if we in game one, we got out rebounded and everything. And then in game two, we won the turnover battle. We won the possession battle and we won our way because I think it's to me, it feels like we're 
we're acting as if um, game two matters more than game one when both teams play to their strengths in their wins? Yeah, it's a good question. I, to me, game two, the reason why game two means more is because it seemed like game one, the, the Cavs had no idea who they were playing, <laughs> it, <laughs> which is kind of weird. But like, if you hear all the, every post game press conference, every press conference between games, like comments from Okoro, from, from uh, Jared Allen, from JB Bickerstaff, they all seem like they didn't know who they were playing. Like, I, it's kind of shocking, but it kind of feels like they didn't know prep coming into the series. Fair point. Very fair point. <laughs> so, so yeah, like that's why game two feels like it means more to me because it's like, they were like, wait a second. Oh, this is who we're playing. And then they were able to do something about it. And that's the most shocking part to me. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, that's, that's a great response. Um, and it, those, those post game comments were kind of shocking <laughs> to be honest, but um, yeah, just so, so me personally, I know we like it's very important for us in the content creation world to focus on the how, but the what also matters. The New York Knicks went into Cleveland and they handled business. They took a game and now they're headed home this weekend in New York City with a chance to go up 3-1 if all they have to do is play their home games and win at home with Madison Square Garden behind them and look I understand it was Trey Young's first playoffs. Trey Young was a villain forever. Trey Young loved it. He fed into it. He was ice tray before he arrived at the garden. He was ice tray after the garden. Them California boys in the paint, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, this day first playoffs, them boys are young. Oh, I'm, I'm not sure about Jared Allen's first playoffs. I Maybe, but even so, all that is to say, I don't know if these Cleveland Cavaliers are built to play the New York Knicks at home. And this series, more than anything else, is a series of willpower. Because when the Knicks exerted their will against the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Cleveland Cavaliers did not look like they knew what they were doing. When the Cleveland Cavaliers exerted their will on us in game two, we did not look like the team that we knew. We had so many inexplicable turnovers in game two. Mitchell Robinson couldn't catch a ball. We had Jalen Brunson forcing the issue, doing things I've never seen him do. I mean, Julius Randle didn't have a great game, and it was kind of because he was typical Julius. I'm going to go out the best defender on the team, Julius. But, um, like, Emmanuel, wow. Emmanuel quickly looks like every starting quarterback I have ever rooted for. And if you know my favorite football team, it's the New York Jets. Um, Quentin Grimes rushing things. I feel like where we're at right now, we are where we want to be. We split in Cleveland. We have two home games with the best crowd in, in the world. I think nothing, I don't think, like these kids from Cleveland, they think they know what they're, what they're headed into. Donovan Mitchell might know because Donovan Mitchell's from the area, but Darius Garland played in the SEC. He didn't play in the Big East. He doesn't know what Madison Square Garden is like. Um, same thing with uh, Evan Mobley. Played at where? Um, USC. You had Jared Allen coming from Texas. Like these guys didn't play at major programs and, you know, and played like deep into the um, into the tournament. And I'm not saying that counts for a lot, but it does count for something because these guys have been on teams that have been relatively, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Relatively irrelevant 
to 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 be kind about the Cleveland Cavaliers for the past couple of years, which is why I really wasn't upset. It's just, I, I do want to touch on this really quickly. I wasn't really upset about the picture they took because one, apparently they've been doing that after every win this year. And two, they're a young team. This is their first playoff win. If they're going to be happy about it, cool. Relish in the moment. I personally believe that you have to enjoy the journey just as much you enjoy as um, just as much as you enjoy the outcome. So I wasn't too mad at that. And on top of that, they kicked our ass. We can't talk. Um, but going back to this playoff environment, these guys have not played at the highest level, except for Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell has been to L.A. for a potential closeout series. He's been in Dallas like he's played in, in buildings that won in his head, you know, and he's and he's remained calm. So him, I'm not I'm not going to say like, oh, he's going to be shaken. I'm not too sure about this Darius Garland guy, man. I'm not too sure about Jared Allen. That's a nice guy. I'm not too sure about Evan Mobley. I don't know about his chest either. Um, I'm just personally, I think that the Knicks, the way we won game one, I think we can do that again and again and again, because all the Knicks have to do. Mitchell Robinson is bigger than these guys. Like um, on the podcast that um, the DJ Zulo and Macri did that, that aired today. Um, well, aired um, on Thursday. I think it was very indicative of what like um, Mitchell Robinson's impact. I think he said they're like what um, something like nine for twenty five or some wild stat yeah, challenging like Mitchell Robinson at the rim. Nine for twenty six defender. Yeah, and even worse when he's within ten feet. So like that's that's impact. And Mitchell Robinson is one of those guys who's going to get gassed up. The, the, look, MSG is going to put a battery in that man's back and Donald Mitchell might try to dunk on him and it might go left. Like, look, I understand that narratives aren't everything. And this is a pot. This is Nick's film school. We talk about, you know, like the the analytic side of the game. But in my opinion, these are two teams that are evenly matched. This is the four and the five seed. This isn't the two and the seven. This isn't the one and the eight, the three and the six. This is the four and the five. The New York Knicks played at a great pace. After the um, after the trade, after February 11th, when we got Josh Hart, I think this is a very good basketball team. I do see what you're saying about how the Knicks offense is, quote unquote, fake. I think the word that you're looking for really is unsustainable or not translatable, whatever the word is, um, in the, into a playoff environment where intensity kicks up and every possession is literally uh, a bloodbath for. So the Knicks can't rely too much on winning the possession battle in environments where literally both teams want the possessions just as bad. I understand that completely. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but where I'm at with it right now is evenly matched teams are going to be looking for things to, to boost themselves up and pull themselves up by. Um, Darius Garland did cook us, but the adjustment to stopping Darius Garland is not letting him shoot wide open. Darius Garland didn't start dancing on us until he got hot, right? All we got to do is get in his chest. Don't lose him, you know? And look, you can say that's an RJ Barrett thing. And I won't disagree with you because RJ Barrett is the person who is mainly responsible for covering him when the two guys are on the floor. But we also can point to the fact that our best offensive player might be our worst defensive player. And our worst defensive player might be our best defensive player might be our worst offensive player. And we need those two guys, Jalen Brunson and Mitchell Robinson, to play to the standard that we know them to be. I want to see Jalen Brunson. If Jalen Brunson draws a charge in the first five minutes of the game, Madison Square Garden is going to become Madison Square Stadium. Like the roof is going to go. And and I think that that matters a lot to a against a young team that don't really have dogs. Like I was listening to a couple of spaces. I think uh, Jay Nicky for uh, the Knicks wall. That that was his main narrative. Like, look, they don't really have dogs on that side. And I'm with him on that. They got Spider and that's really it. 
Garland not really a dog. I don't believe in Jared Allen. That's a nice guy. I don't think he has a dog bone in his body. Evan Mobley's too skinny to be a dog. You know, like one thing I'll push back on that, man, says I do think Gary's Garland is a dog. I do th- he's I, I good. think low key. I yeah, think low I, key. <laughs> I think very, very unassuming, very soft spoken, very low key. But I think you you saw him come. He said, We're gonna punch them back in the mouth. And it's like, really? DG saying that? Like, but then he showed it with his play, and I think. Fair. I think he's a little, I think he's kind of about that, but you know, the rest of them, I agree with Fair. you. Okay. But Karis LeVert. Nah, <laughs> I'd like nah, to see that cool. twice. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, I, I, you can jump in. Well, I'll say this about Karis LeVert and DJ brought up a very good point. Um, DJ brought up a very good point on, on the, on the podcast with John on Thursday. It was that if Karis LeVert gets to go up against Jalen Brunson and Manigal quickly for 82 games, then guess what? He might be about that life. Um, look, for me, when I look at the first two games, listen, the Knicks, they take care of the ball. They crash the offensive boards. They, hit, they take open threes and they hit them at a decent rate. And their two best players make tough shots. And in one game, a lot of that happened. And in one game, a lot of that didn't happen. In fact, if you want to be real, for Julius, it didn't really happen in two games. But for the most part, that's what happened. Um, you cannot turn over the ball. You cannot turn the ball over. I don't care where you are. I don't care where you are. I don't care what I don't care if it's November or June or any time in between, you cannot turn the ball over. They had 13 turnovers in the first game, in the in game one. They had 17 in game two. Um, look, I am, when people to me talk about adjustments, I feel like it's dismissive and it's lazy, especially with this coach, especially with our head coach, because it's like basically it's whenever things don't go well or things don't, you know, things don't work or your team loses, it's like the coach didn't make any adjustments. It's on the coach. The coach is making adjustments. And it's it's a it's lazy because, listen, the other team gets paid too, right. The other the other team, their players, their coaches get paid too. They're 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 scouting you too. I think so. Uh, actually, it's interesting that you said like uh, the Cavs. It looked like they didn't uh, know who they were playing. I actually chalked that up to because it was funny. It was literally like, "Why? Wait, they're so physical!" Like, "Hello!" <laughs> like, have you been exactly. watching? Like, you played us four times. You should know us already, right? I think in. Going into game one, I don't think you should change. You should switch it up. You should game one. You go on. You do what you do and see what happens. And the Knicks went into game one doing what they do. Cleveland went the game one doing what doing what they do. And it yielded. I don't think you should start making adjustments before a game. I always remember the I knew the 67 win Dallas Mavericks in 2007 were cooked against the Warriors, the We Believe Warriors, when Avery Johnson changed his lineup going into game one. Because that whole week it was like, oh, well, it's Nelly and he knows that he used to coach Dirk and the Mavs and he knows them and they got and he changed his lineup. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're a 67 win team. You do not change your starting lineup against the AFC. And then they lost game one and that was it for them. So I would be I would be shocked and disappointed either team didn't try to do what they do in game one. 
both teams tried, we were successful. Now, the ball was in J- the balls in JB Bickerstaff's court. He made adjustments. He told us to be more physical. They had to crash over some offensive boards. They made a concerted effort to get the ball in Jalen Brunson's hands and see if we could do something about it. And clearly we didn't. If you subscribe to The Athletic, you saw Fred Katz's article. There's a perfect uh, illustration of their trapping Brunson. The ball gets to Julius at the top of the key. And there's three Cavs and there's four Knicks. And I just... Thought when I was reading that article, I just thought of Mensa and the Windows 98 joke. Oh, <laughs> right? Processing, um, processing speed. speed. <laughs> so listen, I said Knicks and six before the series. That has not changed. Now the adjustment has to be made. We have to figure out a way to if they're gonna trap Brunson, we gotta make them pay for it. We have to find a way. Maybe we, there should be more, more IQ and Brunson together. Have IQ off the ball in that play that Fred was showing, talking about in the athletic. I would, I wouldn't mind if Grimes would release point because Grimes can't put the ball on the floor and play make a little and play make a little bit. And maybe make the right pass because if you look again, if you don't subscribe, actually, if you go on uh, John's uh, Twitter feed, he retweets it and, he, and the pictures there. And you just see, like, there's three Cavs and there's four Knicks and there's Julius Randle and the closest defenders, Evan Mobley, who's like 10 feet away. And there's guys available. We need to make those passes. The last thing I'll say, I'm sure, and I'm sure uh, Mensa will have something to say about this. Two things I'll say. One, the other adjustment we can make is to hit shots. That's nothing to do with that coach. Eight of seven of 29 from three game two. Eight of 29 from three in game one. I listen, you got to hit shots. If you have the, if you have the open three, take it. That is not on Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau is not telling these people to not take an open shot or an open three. You have an open three, you take it. No flinching, no Ben Simmons in the button. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Other adjustment that could be made, and I don't know if it's going to be made. Let's talk about my prodigal son, Rowan Alexander Barrett Jr. Um, we all said he was the X Factor. We all said, and we caught we caught a lot of flack for it. That like you know, I didn't say that, but no, 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 no. That no. What we are saying, what we did catch a lot of flack for was if he doesn't play well, his minutes are going to be reduced. And there was a lot of pushback in the comments or whatever. And RJ, like, 
listen, I don't, I, I, I like, I saw uh, Kevin F3394 on Twitter was like, oh, this is the product of him being a corner boy for three and a half years. No, enough of that. Enough. It's now time to hit shots. It's time to step up. It's time to make the right decision. It's time to play good, smart basketball. I don't care. Listen, RJ's had a hell of a year. I, I don't envy him at all because he knows that he was one unprotected first round pick away from being in Utah because of the guy that he's going up against. But it is time for, and this is not just RJ. It's time for all of them. You got to hit shots. You got to play better. You got to make the right decisions. It's right there for you. These are the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're not the 87 Lakers. It's there in front of you. But RJ, I know you're catching a lot of smoke, and I get it. And listen, Brunson was bad, too, and Randall's been bad. But like John said the other day, there's no world where we can win this series without Brunson and Randall. They're going to get the ball. There's a world where we can win this series without you. I don't want that world. But I need better now. We need better now. So um, only thing I'll push back on is I don't at, watching the first two games. I don't think there's a world we can where we win this series without a better RJ Barrett simply because it's kind of been my argument the entire season. Why RJ Barrett has a role on this team. Um, size matters. And Kyrus Levert is going to keep on dancing on Brunson and quickly for the reasons that um, DJ Zulo laid out. Um, you need that size against their wings. They have big wings. Dean Wade, 6'9". Kyrus Levert, 6'6". Um, Chetty Osman, what, 6'8"? Look, I love our guys a lot. Quinn Grimes, 6'4". Josh Hart, 6'4". Quickly, 6'3". Um, Brunson, a solid six one, you know, like that. That size does matter, and especially the issue. Like we've been giving RJ a lot of shit for the defense. The defense has not been that has not been the reason we lost. You know, the Cavs scored what one hundred and seven points against us. That's not crazy in twenty twenty three, but hitting shots, hitting shots is very important. It is the literal name of the game, put the ball in the basket, basketball, um, not rebound ball, <laughs> not defense ball, basketball. We need baskets. Um, so yeah, but like you said, everybody's been bad at it. And I think we can't lose context because I jumped on Twitter. Here's, here's something guys. I jumped on Twitter, right. And I learned that in boys in the hood, it was actually RJ Barrett who shot Ricky. That's where we are right now. You know, we are at the place where everything is RJ Barrett's fault again. Everything. You know, everything. And he was the third I man in the grass, you know. That's what I heard. Clearly. 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 It wasn't, um, what was it? Well, who were the guys? Uh, it Dominion? wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald. It was, yeah, Dominion and Dominion. And, it, was, and, it, was, it was RJ Barrett. Who, it wasn't Fox News. It was RJ Barrett who, who lied. You know, like that's where we're, that's, we're back there again. And to be honest, that's just the world we live in. We live in a world where the New York Knicks fan base expects more out of their third overall pick from the 2019 draft. And I am not going to sit here and say anybody is wrong for wanting more from R.J. Barrett because you're right. R.J. Barrett needs to be better. He needs to be a lot better. Whether you believe he can be better or not is up to you. I personally still have all the faith in the world in this kid. 
I think that he needs to start leveraging his strength and he needs to not be afraid. I feel like he's kind of have, I feel like right now he kind of has a little bit of that Obi Toppin um, skittishness when it comes to Tom Thibodeau, where it's like, I need to be perfect and it's messing up his game because bro, just go through people. Just when they put Darius Garland on you, go through his chest, turn him into a parking spot, please. That's what we need. Same thing with um, Emmanuel quickly. They just took the sixth man of the year award from you because the other guy played in Boston. I need Emmanuel quickly to show up this weekend and make everybody look stupid. Quentin Grimes, hit some shots. Julius Randle, go back to being Dimer Julius. That worked so well in the first half of game one. It was unpredictable. And I think that that is the word now that I'm, I'm getting through this rant. That is the word. That is the key for these New York Knicks in games three and four. We need to be more unpredictable. Go away from the isolation basketball, because when you isolate against the number one defense in the NBA, you are playing into their hands. I want I want guys moving. I want guys hitting open shots. I want Julius Randle to be the facilitator because Julius Randle, when he wants to, I was like, did I was watching him in that first half and the only thought of the first half of game one and the thought that came in my head, I'm like, did Larry Bird have an illegitimate child somewhere? Because it was unreal what Julius Randle looked like. And that's what we need. We need to not necessarily rely so much on the rebounding because we have guys who can hit, who can hit open jump shots and we have guys who can pass the ball. Let's leverage the playmaking to get more open shots. Let's process things faster. And then after that, then we can be tough. Let's be tough, but let's rely on all of our skills, not just the fact that we should be the tougher team in the paint. And I think that's what we need to see most in games three and four. We need guys hitting shots. How are we going to get guys to hit shots? Let's be more unpredictable. Let's move the ball a little more. Let's, let's, let's play Knicks basketball the way we want to see Knicks basketball, not the isolation stuff, not the, you know, the, um, the cr- trying to create an advantage with Julius Randle, not the I'm Julius Randle and he's Kyrie and I'm sorry, and he's Evan Mobley. And I don't care that he was third place in defensive player of the year awards. I'm going to go through him because I'm Julius Randle. I don't want to see any of that. There are ways for us to inflict our will on them. And it's not in isolation because we're playing into their hands when we do that. I, I totally hear you, Mensa. Like I, you know, I feel some of the same ways that you do. I don't think they're they're going away from what I think is at this point is their identity, at least with Randall and Brunson on the court, which is ISO heavy. One guy creates an advantage and either scores or passes to somebody open. Like I, I don't envision them changing that or moving away from that at any point in the series when those two guys are on the court specifically. I don't disagree. And I don't mean to uh, interject. Yeah, you're good. But we did see it. Like we saw what they did in game one, you know, and they have to adjust. The playoffs are about adjustments, you know, and I, we saw them pass the ball. We saw them have success moving the ball, using Julius Randle as leverage and diming off to Hartenstein, just making some super pretty passes. And I think that's what we need to go back to. We can still isolate and we the can thing create is, things out of the isolation is what I want to see. The, the thing is like, they didn't score well in game one either. Like, Game one was also a struggle to score and I, and, and their offense has been the, the problem and the challenge and game one, they won because they have a, they had a freaking 40% offensive rebound rate, which, which would be best of all time in the, in the NBA, if that was the case. Um, 
So I, I mean, yes, I think they definitely need to incorporate more of that, but it's really tough even, you know, to Sean's point earlier to like go away from your identity. Like I, I know Sean was talking about like before the series has even started, but I think at any point to like say, Hey, you know, I know we've been playing this way all season, but like, let's just do this other thing. And I think they should do this other thing long term. So we're in agreement on that. I don't think this is a sustainable way to run an offense. And that was part of my 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 commentary one, about the one more thing. One yeah, more thing. yeah. What's up? Do you think that thirteen assists for Donovan Mitchell is the Cavs' identity? Because they, to me, that that was a pivot, and it worked. You know, I think that only happened because Garland was just was just cooking, and and I you we even saw some of the comments from from Donovan being like, "Hey, I'll space out. I'll be in the corner. You just go to work. Attack, attack, attack." Because that's what was working, and he let it happen that game. And I don't think it's going to happen in Game Three. I think, I think, um, I think you men- mentioned Mensa in our in our casual Friday group thread that you know Donovan's going to be the one to probably take more of the shots in Game Three, the first game in Madison oh, Square Garden. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so that, that's probably not going to happen again. But he let he let Garland cook the last game and it worked. And I think that was a conscious decision to say like, I'm going to take a back seat. I mean, I'm not going to do it again later, but I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to take a back seat to Darius and let him cook. And, and, and I do believe Garland does have some of that dog in him for real. But at, all that being said, you know, I, I did say before the series and, you know, going against Sean's sage advice, I would have already went from away from what the Knicks have done all season, which has played RJ a lot of minutes. I would have, Restricted his minutes, and I don't think he's played super poorly. Um, I don't think he's played super poorly. I think he's played relatively well overall. But I just hear people saying, "Well, outside of his shooting, he's been kind of okay." And I agree with that. But like, I don't think you can hand wave the shooting right now. I don't think you. And it's not, you know, it's like it's like a square peg in a round hole. Like we need shooting. RJ is not the guy to provide that. He's the guy to provide a thing that we don't really need right now. We need like, and so I don't think there's any issue with saying RJ is not the perfect component or player for this series. But if we get past Cleveland and we play against Milwaukee or we play against Miami, RJ can have a huge impact in those series, in those games with those kinds of defenses, um, especially Miami. But right now, outside shooting is everything. We we just, I think, my analysis is in terms of adjustments, I just think we need more perimeter gravity. The court feels so small for guys like Brunson and Randall right now. Um, and, and yeah, IQ quickly, one of my favorite players on the Knicks. Um, one of my favorite players in the league has been terrible. He's been terrible. He's I, I'm as big an IQ guys there is, but he's been their worst player. He's been worse than RJ Barrett, but I, I don't think they can win without, Without Can you say IQ. that to the people in the back? I'm sorry. <laughs> that last part. Quickly has been worse than RJ Barrett in this series. I genuinely believe that. But at the same time, to some of what Sean said, I don't think they can win this series without quickly playing well. He's been their Absolutely. third best player for a lot of this season, the majority Impossible. of this season. Impossible. They cannot win. Quick. They cannot quickly win can, if quickly is, is quickly cannot be a phantom and they win this series. It's just not going to happen. So he has to turn it around. And if anything, I would play quickly more minutes at this point. Like he's whatever you got to do to get him in a rhythm, I, I run plays for him, whatever you have to do to make him comfortable and say, I, you know, you got to gas him up, give him the Draymond green, the KD talk. Like you, you're that guy. You're that guy. Like whatever you got to do, he's got to play better. You can't win without that. And, but just the reality is he's, he hasn't played well at all. Um, 
So I, I think, you know, I would go away from RJ minutes. I would rather have a guy in there like Deuce. Deuce's shooting could be sketchy as well, but you know, he'll be a spark for the MSG crowd for sure. And he is probably our best guy to defend Darius Garland. I, I think that's a perfect matchup for Deuce. Deuce has the length. He has the wingspan. Garland has quickness. And that's what Deuce plays well against. We don't have too many quick defenders. RJ's not a quick defender. Hart is not a quick defender. Quickly gets blown by like relatively easily if a guy is like too quick with that first step. Deuce is the guy to guard a guy who has a quick first step, who, who, who has that lateral shiftiness. That is McBride's specialty as long as that guy's not too big. And Garland's not big. So I think Deuce has a lot to offer in this series. I would play him like 10 minutes in this. I think he can give us a lot in the 10 minutes. Um, that's one adjustment. And another is like a minor thing. Like, um, you know, I, 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 one thing I said before the series is that I'd love the Knicks to use Obi Toppin um, in a pick and roll and use him in that short role to deal with the Cavs blitzing Brunson on those pick and rolls. And that's because Toppin is an excellent and underrated passer. And the quickest decision maker on the team, like it's hard to quantify, but I, I believe he's the quickest decision maker on a team when he has the ball because he's like either I'm going to score or I'm going to get rid of it. He's doing one or the other. He's not holding. He's not playing around. He's not dancing. He's not thinking. He's passing or he's trying to score. And I think that's what they need in that short role. If you have Obi Toppin in those temporary three on four, uh, four and threes that that you talked about, um, I think he's going to make the right decision. He can throw lobs. He can attack the rim. And I think he's a guy that can really help them in, you know, 18 to 20 minutes per game in the playoffs. So, um, and, and giving Julius a breather, because to be honest, outside of the first half of the first game, Julius has been awful. Um, and, and, and yeah, the truth is just like almost every Nick has been bad. Uh, almost every Nick has been bad. And what yes, happens when you play the number one defense, man? Absolutely. Absolutely. And m- major credit to the Cavs. They, they, their scheme is great and they're playing like with so much energy. Um, but I, I think there are some counters. I'm not going to talk about too many schematic changes. I mean, we've heard ideas from, you know, the greats like like Benji and and, and DJ and and John and and people from all a bunch of other Knicks content outlets that are really great from the Strickland and Knicks fan TV. Like, I'm not going to come up with a miracle scheme that's going to turn the series around. But I think those couple things can have a major disproportionate impact and we got to keep playing our game. You know, we got to get those offensive rebounds. We got to keep turnovers low, got to get to the free throw line and we got to get the outside shooting going. So to me, it's like, we need spacing. Um, we need Brunson to be able to, to navigate and have space to navigate if they ever let him attack one-on-one. And we need somebody who can handle the short roll and 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 do something with the ball when they have it four on three. Those are the two biggest things to me. And it's, you know, it's funny XJ. Um, Something that you said about having what's about having uh um Obi in a short roll. I'm gonna try to produce live on air and see if this works. Let's does this gonna work? Oh, it's not gonna let me do it. Okay. Oh, here we go. So right nice. here. So for those who aren't or those who aren't watching on video, this is the screenshot of the uh, Fred Katz picture. Um, that he where Julius is if Obi's in this spot. To your point, XJ, he makes that quicker pass. Um, and he's he's very, very good at it. I was said Grimes earlier because Grimes can do a little bit of playmaking, but like right here, if we can spray, hi Andrew. Um, if we can spray, if he can like <laughs> so if we can get Obi in that spot, I think they can take that away. Now, obviously, if you take Obi out, 
I mean, if you put Obi in, we're yielding more rebounding because Lord knows Obi likes to get killed on the glass, right? Um, but this goes back to what I'm talking about when it comes to the um, the adjustments. So, like, I would like to see obviously hit shots, right? Um, I would like to see. I would like to see. IQ, more minutes of IQ in Brunson. Um, yeah, IQ of Brunson. I like to see sometimes, you know what? Maybe you play Brunson to start the second quarter with um with Toppin to see if you can t- to see if you can take advantage of that. I also do think we may need to see more Isaiah Hartenstein because there are many times there was a play during game two where they tried, they trapped and they got the ball to Mitch at the top of the at the free throw line, and there was nobody around him. And then, but there's a reason why there's no one around him because, like, what is Mitch going to do with the ball 15 feet from the basket? Right. To your um, point, Sean, real quick to your point, yeah. it's a very small sample size, just two games. Mitch's on off differential is minus 38 points. Ooh. That just real quick point. Despite those that that data that that DJ shared about Mitch's uh, rim contest, their offense is. Minus 48.2 over two games. They're 48.2 points worse with Mitch on the court. That's just, you know, obviously super small sample, but that's what's happening. He needs, listen, and Mitch, if you're, if you're going to be a negative offensively, you got to get every offensive rebound or else you're going to have to have a seat. Um, because what, like, Cleveland is just going to ignore you when you have the ball. And also, and Mitch, can you, I don't know what, like, the biggest, Nick's Twitter was so adamant. I was with them that like, hey, if we had Mitch Robinson instead of Nerlens Noel in 2021, we would have had a better shot. And then Mitch Robinson is literally turned into Nerlens Noel. In <laughs> like, please catch the ball. That's please, a good point. Please. That's all I got on the series. Uh, anything else on the series? Any notes before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, no, I just want to say that the Knicks... I'm very hopeful for um, IQ and Grimes specifically because the old playoff adage is role players play better at home and it's time to get some home cooking. We got Friday night at the Garden. We got Sunday at the Garden. Um, I think they show up and show out in a major way. Um, Josh Hart, Isaiah Hartenstein, the Knicks have some really good players to support Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson. Um, I don't know. Uh, we've been waiting for a good RJ game for a long time. It, it feels like. I don't know if it happens this series, to be honest. Um, one change that I think would be very radical, and I'm sure I'm the only person on this island, um, maybe play Obi Toppin at the three. Maybe play him where he can make some of those quick decisions. You're not going to lose anything in floor spacing. Defensively, the drop-off is going to be pretty substantial between RJ Barrett and um, Obi Toppin, at least in terms of keeping himself in front of guys. But you got a quick decision maker. You got a guy who doesn't need the ball. Um, you can get some. Oh, you can get some Randall, and um, you can get some Randall actions with Obi, and you're not losing much rim protection because you you could have theoretically Mitchell Robinson on the court. Um, and then you have the transition aspect. You're getting easy buckets. You got a three point shooter. And you got a guy who can catch that ball in the short roll and make some good passes. I think that like, look, that is that is very radical. And we've literally never seen the Knicks do it. But hey, and it could we're, work. And we're not. You know, our head coaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I just want to throw that out there. That's a quick stat. Uh, per uh, basketball reference, Obi Toppin has spent 100% of his minutes at power forward this season. <laughs> 
Shocker. Which, <laughs> which Mensa, I don't disagree with that. I think it would be great to see. I just, I think we just know it's not, just not something that. Yeah, it's definitely happen. not going to happen, but I, the thought exercise is all. I appreciate the thought exercise. Yeah. One more thing I'd like to say um, to all my, uh, to all my Nick's Twitter brethren and sistren, um, please stop arguing with people from Cleveland about which city is better. Okay, please. Like we come from New York. Listen, the shirt I'm wearing, do you see the shirt I'm wearing? It is by Ric Flair. You know what it says? It says my shoes cost more than your house. Because guess what? If you're from Cleveland and you live in Cleveland, my shoes probably cost more than your house. Do not argue with fools from a distance. One cannot tell who is who. If I shoot you, I'm brainless. If you shoot me, you're famous. <laughs> What's someone to do? Like when God, the streets are watching. Come on, man. Do not argue with people who say on Rihanna's internet for straight face that they would rather gouge their eye out and eat it than live in New York. Like those people, to quote Logan Roy, these are not serious people. Do not waste your time. Please. Wheels, please. We're better than that. All right. That's our show for today. Shout out to XJ. Shout out to Mensa. Shout out to GMAC on the ones and twos. Um, again, this is we're listening to this on a Friday. Game three is tonight. I will be in the building. Um, I may be under the influence of um um alcoholic beverages. It's gonna be amazing, it's gonna be a great time. Um Make sure that you catch up with John and the, for the post game for games three and four. Um, since game four is on a Sunday, uh, John and John and Jeremy will most likely record their recap on Monday. So that comes out on Tuesday. Make sure you follow everybody on stage. Our at our ads are right here. Make sure you follow everyone at Nick's Film School. That's John. That's Jeremy. That's DJ. That's. Uh, why am I blanking? Why am Benji, I blanking? Chris, Benji, Benji, French, Chris. Jeremy, <laughs> <laughs> Devil, Devil's fan, Jeremy, who's going through it. Um, listen, on Friday we got XJ on Friday yeah. and for the po- for the post game. DJ Zulo on Sunday. DJ Zulo, DJ is going to be in the building, so I hope hopefully I get to meet him. To hopefully get to meet him on Friday night. And if you're not a patron, please sign up. Uh, Seven dollars a month. You can. You could have watched that. This. You could have watched this get dismantled on national television with us on Tuesday night. Because guess what? When they get dismantled, we make it more fun. So way more fun. <laughs> um, so for XJ for Menta, I'm Sean for W. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Knicks Nation, let's ride. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 